0: come on yeah all right come on ladies and gentlemen welcome to the podcast hey jakarta podcast i'm your host tim dive you might notice a new gear how cool is that? We're getting real with this thing. We're getting serious, ladies and gentlemen. So I think we've spoken enough about IR for a little while. I might give an IR update later on with this one, but um, I thought we're recording this middle of the year. It's, um, it's pretty much end of financial year, and this is about the time that companies, employers start to really question things about how they went the last 12 months or so. The look at performance, to look at people, all that sort of stuff. So why not talk about some of that, some performance management ideas and um, suggestions and solutions that are going to be practical and, and easy for you to implement. Um, I was listening to a podcast just last week, I think it was, and I was it was an HR person speaking to a business person and there was a bit of a disconnect. And one thing they were talking about was high performers and low performers and what affects performance in your business with respect to high performance. There was one thing I agreed with um, in that conversation where they said um, essentially the highest performance standards in your business are really um, limited or decided by the lowest performers in your team. So that's a complex theory to try and get your head around just with a short statement like that. But what that typically means is, and this is true, I've seen it time and time again, what it means is that the – the, the highest levels of performance that are acceptable or bearable by your business so those highest performers the highest level they can perform at is decided by how far away or how big the gap is to your lowest performers because if you've got people pushing high performance and performing really well and and essentially looking so much better than everyone else it breaks things right it, if they get too far away from the bottom of the pack that performance um, standard gets too stretched, and it becomes uh, a problem to manage. It's difficult for managers to 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 rein in high performance people, um, and so what would tend to happen is they'll they'll exit the business, they'll leave, or they'll get so frustrated and 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 burn relationships internally and that sort of thing. So it gets really difficult to handle your highest performance sometimes, and that's a bit of a weird a weird. Um, perspective on it, but it's 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 reality. It does happen, and so h- how do you address that? How do you raise performance? Because what most managers would do, especially the the more you know unsophisticated managers who aren't developed and have you know a history of management training and that sort of stuff, and you know, people development training. What they would do is t- they tend to spend most of their, their time working with the high performers because they get results, they get the good stuff. It's easier to work with them. It's easier to be understood. You say jump, they say how high, they go ahead and they, and they get it done, right? They're the easier ones to work with. But leaving those lowest performers behind end up stretching that performance metric, like I mentioned, and they, and, and, it, and it breaks, causes cracks and that sort of thing. And and they, the manager left managers are left usually scratching their head, wondering why and what went wrong. So how do you deal with this? Well, one thing I always have done um, with my clients and around this time of the year, but also when I first start working with them, this is something that I, that I usually do as well. Um, we, we do a very, very quick check. And we want, what we're trying to do is we want to identify the bottom 10% of your, of your people. Now, if you're a small business with less than 10 people, that's great. That's awesome. Okay, this, this method will work for any size company. But let's just talk about the smaller ones. If you've got less than 10 people, that exercise you do is going to identify one person. So that's great, right? And what you would do is you do this quarterly. You know, you you're, you consistently identify your bottom 10%. In, in a team of less than 10 or 10, you've got one person. One person a quarter will be identified as that one that's operating a little bit lower. And the smaller your team, the easier this is to to, to execute, right? The larger your team, you're going to have more managers to to help you out. But... Um, let's let's look at this so what we're going to do we'll, we'll run a score um, and this this is uh this isn't always um the exact same matrix that i use for every business but typically what i'll do is it's a, it's it's there's two factors i want to assess at least they are a person's reliability and a person's um, performance so um you know it, it's essentially reliability means that you can trust them um you know they're they're, they're always there Um if you can say what you need done, you can walk away feeling as if there's trust there and you're going to get it done. You're going to get the result you need or at least close to it. And that's what I mean by reliability, okay? Um, and performance performance is deter- determined by the manager, uh, essentially. You know, de- Good performance means different things in different businesses. So let's look at those two scores. Um, sometimes, so looking at that, you've got a list, in, just a spreadsheet, like a, a simple spreadsheet with a list of all the employees' names, You've got two columns with a drop down of one to five score on each one and one is reliability and with other is performance. That's what we're, we're talking about. I often also, depending on the business, will add two extra columns and they might be um, past uh, performance and potential performance. If that's relevant, we'll add that in um, and it's really up to you to, to determine if that's relevant or not. But all those columns, so you're either going to have a maximum score of 10 or a maximum score of 20 and it's a one to five drop down for each of those columns, right? And it's a it's a very simple task. It'll take you one minute to do it. If you've got um, you know hundreds of of, of employees, and let's get your managers to do this and, and break it down a bit more. But um, it's a simple thing to do once a year, once a quarter, whatever whenever you want to do it. Um, but this simple scoring system will tell you who your bottom ten percent of the people are. This isn't performance management. This is not a performance management system. It's just it's, it's a check, right? It's a it's a sense check on your workforce. And what it's going to tell you is who your bottom 10% is. Now, what you do for the next three months is you work with those bottom 10% and you you get them up to speed, you get them performing better, or you get them out mm-hmm. of the business. Now, that might sound cold. It might sound a bit bit hard and, and harsh and that sort of thing. But you know what? If, um, uh, if you're focused on performance, uh, and I guarantee you that most businesses out there are going to have to really focus on performance, especially with – the way the market is right now, with inflation, people will stop spending soon. Um, that's going to have a, a, an effect. It's already difficult to get good people. Um, you now, the, the people that you that you have right now, um, you really need to maximize what you're getting out of them, um, and also retain them. Right? So, um, getting rid of your ten percent, your, your bottom performing ten percent, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It actually increases your your performance. Of your team, that anchor or that that dead weight that your team is dragging through will be let go. All right, so it might sound harsh, but it's not really that harsh because in, in the big the bigger picture, you're talking about a, a well performing team or a well performing organization, right? So, um, th- that's what you want to do with high performers. Going back to this podcast I was listening to and why it made me really sit here and think about it a bit is because. This person who was, um, you know, reasonably experienced in HR, their comments were, you know, if good performers witness and see poor performers surviving in companies and, what, and see what they do, the level of work they do, the level of quality, all that sort of stuff, the productivity, if they see that, then those high performers will sit there and think, oh, I can get away with that, so I'm, I'm just going to do that. Now, that's, that's bullshit. That's not true, right? High performers don't think that way, okay? Yeah, uh, high performers will never have those thoughts. So they'll – either if, if they're having those thoughts, I'll say this. If they're having those thoughts, you can guarantee that they're spending a couple of hours a day on seek.com.au, refreshing that page, looking to get the hell out of there. Um, that's what they will be doing. Um, they don't – sit there and go well i'm not going to be a high performer anymore you know that they, they don't they, they often don't even know they're high performers they just perform well right um so yeah don't 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 buy into that don't buy into the thought of the idea that people are choosing to put to to, to work poorly if they're high performers you know certainly people do choose that sometimes you know we, we, i think we've all seen that and i've got an, I've got an effect for those guys how do you like that? Poor performance. So, look, that, that's that's a um, that's a bit of a tool that it, it's not it's not in any any management manuals. It's not going to be in an HR textbook. Nothing like that. It's not performance management. It's just a very quick and simple and easy and effective way to list out your people. Spend five minutes. Don't think about it too much. Spend five minutes and identify that bottom ten percent. If you're a team of less than ten, awesome. That's only one person you've got to work with. If you're a business of less than ten, same thing. If you've got many, many, many employees, get your managers to do it, and 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 they'll manage it, right? So um, that that's that should give your people um, leaders uh, a good, clear understanding of, of of how to raise performance pretty quickly in their teams, right? While we're talking about performance, let's let's um, also talk about education and development and 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 this sort of thing. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because you know the Fair Work Commission's been in the um, in the media a lot lately, and there's a lot of workplace law changes and that sort of thing. But a couple of years back, I was uh, at the uh, national industrial relations conference down in the Barossa Valley, and and uh, the president of the Fair Work Commission at that time, Ian Ross spoke and he, he mentioned um, a, f- a few things about the future of businesses and we're starting to see that come to fruition now. And the two things that stuck with me back then was um, how employers will approach education and development and all that sort of stuff and also how they'll assess themselves in terms of compliance and, and performance. Um, I was I, I liked hearing a fair work commission president speak about those things because it, it, it took it got away it got out of the out of the, uh, the the muck of right and wrong battles and compliance and you know bare minimums and safety nets and this sort of stuff. It got out of that area and it started to look at um, you know re- realistic solutions and forward thinking solutions that employers can adopt early to. Uh, to get more out of their people, and something that, that the Fair Work Commission would rarely speak about. Um, so that stuck with me a bit. So let's talk about that education in in, in um, for, for for professionals, right? People and technology far uh, exceed or that change, they change far rapidly than the education system does. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Education system is a slow old beast. It's it's probably never going to catch up to people ever again. Um, you know, all you're gonna do is look at anything that's touched by technology. Um, Will you know, outdate a course or a degree three or four times a year. Um, a, a marketing degree is a, is a perfect example of. I use marketing degrees as a um, as, as a as a bit of a derogatory term sometimes, and I apologise for anyone in marketing in the list, but you would know as, as well as anyone that. Um, you know Google Google AdWords courses that and, and how tos and YouTube tutorials and things like that will be far more beneficial and valuable than, than a, a sixty thousand dollar marketing degree. Um, anyone disputes that, then, then they, they need their head read. Now um, yeah, that's that is reaching most other sectors of the workforce now. Anything that technology touches will outstrip and out out grow and outpace education every day of the week. Um, so, what's the answer to that? You know, I, I'm certainly, you know, I, I'm, I, I, ha, I have, um, I'm an employer. I, um, when I recruited recently, I put very, very little um, concern or want or warrant around education. Um, it's just not relevant. Um, experience and time in a role is absolutely relevant, and also. You know, if you if you do workshops and short courses and and, and and that sort of thing, that might be a day or two days or a week. Um, a short course that might take you a couple of months. Um, you're not necessarily getting any any university certificate for it, but what that does show is that you're you're at the forefront, right? There's people with MBAs and all sorts of things that they did a few years ago that did that didn't have, have done nothing ever since. Uh, are miserable in their jobs and they have got that MBA just to, just to show it for a bit of paper, but experience wise they're lacking they're, they're really lacking um some of the best leaders i've ever worked with um in all the sectors I've, I've had exposure to had no qualifications whatsoever time in role and time working with people and time in facing difficulties and challenges and and um having to be creative to get around problems uh, complex problems and having having hands-on tools experience and background fundamental knowledge of how things work in, in workplaces they're the best leaders i've ever seen operate um, in in my time um, certainly uh you know degrees and things are, uh in some instances needed necessary warranted and 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 mandatory but um usually not the case and and i, I certainly don't don't um, encourage my my clients to focus on the qualifications most of the time for people they're looking for so you know, workshops, um, short, sharp, um uh, incremental education opportunities, they're the they're the things that employers should be adopting, right? And they're the things that are gonna set you apart. They're gonna create an, an advantage over your your um, competitors. Absolutely they are. Um now the question is who's responsible for it? Who should pay for it? Um it, it, it's a good question because my perspective on this is that it should be a, a two-way street, right? So let's say that something is specifically related to a job, um, a, a person's outcomes, their scope of work, that sort of thing. The company should probably pay for it up front. Um, but there should be some sort of training agreement where the the employee does um, agree to the fact that this is for their benefit, yeah? Yeah. Um, this value that that the employer is going to give them the opportunity to create within themselves will have some value to the business, which is why they're coming up with the upfront costs. Um, But it stays with the employee. Uh, The the company will benefit for a period of time that that employee is still there. But that investment um, has to be to the benefit of the business. That employee should pay back the cost of that course or training should they leave within a year or 2 years and you can figure figure out whatever works best for your business in that sense but you should have an agreement at least i think that if you if you train them and they develop and they get a course and qualifications or just more knowledge that's more valuable in the job market they've got to stay with you for at least one year and if they leave within that one year period you're going to get a full refund of that of that um of that uh, that outlay that the company paid for and if you then leave within 12 and and 24 months Let's say, that's, let's say they'll, they'll pay you back 50%, right? So you're you you, you you're providing the opportunity, you're paying for the courses, you're giving them the time to study and the time to roll out what they're learning and, and finesse what they're learning and that two-year period, you, you're going to get some benefits out of that, some commercial benefits and some return on investment. That's fair enough. That's the way to do it, I think. Um, You know, no degrees, you know, look <laughs> – that's a general statement to make and it probably isn't accurate in, in every case, but that's a bit of a uh, starting point for me is that, you know, if, if employees are coming to you and saying, I, I want to do this degree, you should pay for it, uh, really? What benefit is, it, is a degree going to give your business? Um, how long is it going to take to get the benefit out of that? What is it, 50000 $60,000 over four years that you're going to uh, invest? I mean, let's let's invest ten thousand over over two years and see what what you get there, and, and um, that's probably going to be the, the the better option, I think, to find those um, shorter, sharper courses and train your people that way and get some performance that way. What else? So, the, going back to that that um, Ian Ross talk again, that the the, the um, ex Fair Commission president, he also spoke about. Scorecards, workplace and employer scorecards. Now, I don't know about this one because how the hell are you going to score yourself? I mean, the, every industry is so different and every workplace is so different. Every client base is different. Um, what determines good performance in your business is different. Compliance scorecards, no worries, but they, is that really worth anything? I mean, you know, all you gotta do is run a compliance check on whatever HRIS system you're running or or your zero and 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 do a check on it, and then if you're compliant, you pass the scorecard. There's there's no use, there's no value in doing that. So, um, you know, maybe the idea is you, maybe you can adopt the idea of a, of a scorecard where, um, you know, your business, if it's sophisticated enough, because not all businesses can do can do this, right? This strategic stuff and this um. A lot of the things that we're talking about here now with, with respect to having a scorecard developed is really nice to have for a business, right? Um, but maybe what you can do is from a strategic session and you can you can map out what the business is, what the culture is, what the values are, what the brand promise is, um, you know, what the what the, the big vision for the employees are. And let's talk about 90-day 90, uh, 90 uh, objectives, one-year objectives and two-year objectives. If you can, if you can spend the time and you have the ability and the, ca- the capability and the knowledge, the know-how and the sophistication with your leadership team to to sit down and produce a one page document like that of high value, then create a scorecard against it. You know? Do a little scorecard, do a little five or ten point scorecard and and have your quarterly checks with your leaders and say, Are you are you passing your scorecard? Show me how you're doing it. Um, you know, your, your leaders can then cascade those objectives and things down to their, their people. We do that sort of stuff all the time with our clients and um, it's not hard to do. It's, it's quite, actually quite a simple thing to do. Um, and um, maybe in that environment, maybe if, you, if, you, if you're advanced enough that you can actually achieve something like that, um, then apply a scorecard to that to make it easy to check on. That might be a good idea. So Justice uh, – sorry, President uh, – ex-President Ian Ross, he has some good some good ideas there, I think. Um, education and scorecards relates to performance as well, right? Keeping on the theme of performance, right? So we've got – so far we've spoken about, uh, you know, it's middle of the year, it's time to check how well you went. At the same time, let's do this little spreadsheet, this little, little four-column or two-column check, and let's see in score exactly how our people were. Let's identify the bottom 10% and get them out of here or get them up, in a, in you know, out of that bottom 10. That's the first thing. We then looked at, um, let's look at, uh, we looked at scorecards as, as an example of a way that the, that uh, Fair Work Commission President Ian Ross a number of years ago said the future will need you to do that. Then um, we also looked at um, training and development. Um, so, What else now? Let's talk about performance management systems, right? I'm going to talk through the way that I do it with my clients. This isn't the only way you can do it. Um, I think it's the best way to do it, and I'll I'll talk about where I've um, drawn from, which resources I've drawn from with respect to this sort of stuff, but – there's uh there's there's a book and it's gonna annoy the hell out of me now because I can't remember the author's name. It's probably gonna come to me at some point and I'll I'll mention his name then. Um, but essentially, it's it's a model out of this book called the Conversations Model, and the theory is that only six only six types of conversations happen in a workplace, and that if these six types of, of conversations happen, um, and they happen routinely, then. You should have an engaged workforce. You should have good relationships with your with your between your leaders and your people, and um, and you should get a result of good performance out of that, right? And that should shape your performance management conversations. So, do I agree with that? Yes and no. And the reason why I say yes is because it's very important to speak to people in your workplace about what interests them. It's very important that they feel heard, they feel seen, and yeah, you know, they're they're human beings, right? If if I myself am in a relationship, in a um, a company, uh, any type of engagement, and I feel like I'm just sitting there collecting dust and I'm being used to do my thing and that's it, um, I'm not genuinely being valued, I'm not genuinely being listened to, um, I'm out of there, right? That's that's not going to last long. Everybody has the same. Emotions and the same connections to that sort of thing. We're all human. It's important, right? That is important, but it's a one-way street. The, the, this is this is what this is the problem with the HR profession, in in my view. You ninety know, percent, anecdotally, I'm going to say, it, but ninety percent of people in HR are soft, and they focus on the the you know let's call it people and culture. Um, I hate that term. That term, people and culture. Um, there's no such thing as a people and culture department, right? People are people, and culture is owned by everybody. One department, one person, one position cannot be responsible for all that sort of stuff. It's it's a it's a it's a failure of a of a department. Um, so anyway, that's a that's a side note, bit of a bit of a short rant. But um, look, that that one way conversation of checking in with your with your employee: how you doing? How you feeling? How do you feel about this? Um, you know all that sort of stuff, important. It can't just be that, right? So what do I do? I do like that system. I, I, I do adopt it, but it's a different way I do it. So that, that before I move on, that system itself, so what it is is there's six conversations and you have, um, sorry, there might be five conversations, whatever it was, but you go one conversation a month and it's the topic changes each month and you won't have a conversation on the sixth, something like that, and then you'll do it again for the next five and then you won't have a conversation on the six. And what that, what that means is that these five or six topics, whatever it is, get spoken about twice in a year. Um, and it's routine. And it's uh, it, we ensure it happens that way. And we ensure the conversations that engage people occur, right? Now, what I do is I, I identify four um, topics that your workforce care about the most. How do we do that? Survey. Easy survey, right? It's, a, it's an employee feedback survey or employee engagement survey, call it whatever you want to call it. But the, the way I, the, the questions I ask about it, that they're, they're specific to the way my that, that, that I do it. So I'll send this survey out to your workforce and that will tell me a whole range of information. And the, the analysis that I can do to it, I can get the top, you know, the top five to 10 things that your workplace actually cares about. Um, and of those, there's a top four. Okay. So we run that survey, we've got our top four we 've set those things aside they might be um f- uh, workplace flexibility uh, they might be um you know collaboration and being heard and working with others that might be um you know the the technology in in the business uh, it could be any of those things right it, it'll those that survey will bring this stuff out and we'll find out the majority what the majority of people actually genuinely care about set those aside now um, what we want to do is, like I mentioned before, that one-page strategy. We want to do a similar document. Like, so you want to produce a one-page strategy for the business that tells us, um, again, the, the values of the business, the promises of the business, um, the the vision, and you know the the one-year uh, goal, the two-year goal, all that sort of stuff. And we can cascade that down in, that into ninety-day blocks. If you want to achieve X, Y, and Z in one year. Well, then you have to achieve A, B, and C in the next 90 days, right? It's a pretty simple way to cascade those things back. So we reverse engineer. Now, that one-page plan that tells us what we're chasing in one year, that tells us what the business has to focus on, right, to achieve that thing. So what that does now, it gives us an extra element to bring into the performance management system. So let's let's re- now. let's let's stop there and let's bring this all together. Imagine you've got 12 months in a year. month one January just for example it doesn't have to be January but let's say once month, month one is January. We do this strategic plan document, right It's a 90 day plan. The managers have meetings with their staff. they explain to their staff exactly what their 90 day objectives are, the performance metrics and and what success looks like for the next 90 days. That's all about the company company setting setting its standards setting its needs and communicating cascaded objectives to individuals right that's set in stone we're going to meet again in in 3 months at the end of the 90 days right now month 2 month 2 we're going to talk about one of the four main things that these people all care about we're going to have a conversation about that in month 2 we're going to get them together Give us your thoughts on this. Give us your feedback. How are you feeling about it? Are we doing a good job with it? Um, what can we do better? You know, whatever the topic is, that's what you're talking about. Month three, you're doing the same thing. You're getting the second of the four items that they all care about and you're going to talk about that. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us how you feel about it. Have you been heard? Have you contributed? Do you want to contribute more? How are we performing with it? Get their feedback. Take, take their notes. They're, so What we've done now, we've got – We've set the strategic priorities, we've given them the objectives, the commercial outcomes they have to produce. Now we're making now we're checking in with them for two months. Month four, we're, re- we're revising those first 90 days in the strategic plan. The, the conversation month four is how did you go the last 90 days? Did you achieve these metrics? Did you achieve what the company needed you to achieve? If no, was there market influences? Was did COVID 3.0 hit? Um, or was there um, technology issues? Was there tool issues? Was you know, or is it your issue? Are you are you struggling to perform? Is you know what do you need more training? Do you, that sort of stuff. That, that's the conversation, right? And then it starts again. But then month five and six to using item number three and four of what they care about, and you're talking about those things then, and then you repeat that circle that that um, that cycle. So again four times a year you're having a strategic conversation that aligns people to what the company needs them to, to produce to perform. Um, what that also allows you to do is that once a quarter you can pivot. Let's say the let's say the um, the strategic plan you developed in January, market influences hit inflation hits, there's a recession, there's this, there's that, there's this big new player comes to town and wipes out half half the market, whatever it is, you're not waiting another year. To try and react to that or identify that and respond to that. you wait waiting three months, right? And in the in the after three months, you, you're having your frontline people tell you why they could or why they couldn't achieve what the what the objectives were. You're getting frontline feedback every quarter, and you can change your plan and pivot should you should you need to. Or you can ramp up and just go, you know, all guns blazing um, as you plan to. So that's performance management in my view it's a two-way street it can't all be about people it can't all be about what they want what they what makes them feel good you know it can't be about um ping pong tables and 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 free fruit and free muffins and and um and all sort of stuff that shit does not get you performance right it get you it gets you it gets you nothing really um product from a productivity sense you know you might you might get people smiling and having a good laugh here and there which is great don't get me wrong that's great but you know, businesses have to survive, and we're we're, we're about to enter um, a pretty tough period. If you believe the economists, if you believe all the all the professionals out there, so um, time to get real on this sort of stuff. Which is why I thought we'd talk about performance. So, look, I promise you, I'll give you a a, um, a bit of an update on IR, and I don't want to talk about it too much because it's 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 all through the news. It's you know, it's something that we sp- we speak about a lot. Um, and look, it, it's, it's not going to go away, okay? Unions are, are going to be pretty tough to deal with for a while, but um, it's a couple, of, a couple of items that I'll just um, comment on with respect to IR. And, it, it, you know, the first thing is there's a lot of striking happening at the moment. Industrial or protected industrial action um, is ramping up. It's all over the place. And what's happening is the unions are the unions are pretty much using or weaponizing this inflation rate. And they're trying to leverage the current high inflation rates to drive up wages even further. So, for example, you've got um, – uh, it's a company called Hussey. I think they do baby salads down in Victoria. I think they are. Could be wrong. I think they're in, think they're in Victoria. Um but they they provide baby salads and that sort of thing to to, to grocery stores, and they've got a um, a workforce there that uh, pretty much you know pick pack, produce essentially. The United Workers Union, so the the UWU, has got them striking. Okay, and 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 they're not striking because they're not getting pay increases. Hussey is the the employer, and what what they've done is they've um, rounded up the Fair Work Commission's minimum wage increase, well the minimum award wage increase. Which was five point seven five percent. They've actually rounded it up to six percent, and they've given that to the, to the workforce. The UWU is not happy. They want more, right? Um, and they're they, they're getting the workers to strike. And what they want is inflation matching uh, wage increases, and that's uniform. All unions are pushing for it. All sectors. You've got um, a range, a, a range of. Um, uh workforces striking and and you know tier one operators even agreeing in their enterprise agreements uh right now to to inf- to CPI um current CPI rate increases, you know, 7.8% wage increases, something like that. And and you gotta you gotta remember these are these are people who are already earning way way above the minimums, right? um so they're already way in in excess of all that and they're demanding seven and eight percent pay increases in some cases even more and i won't say the sources that tell me this sort of stuff but i do have a network in hr people who work in hr that i've connected to i've been doing this for a long time so i know people all over the country and um you know there's there's demands of you know 15 20 increases happening so um and that's that's union driven so um Expect more strikes. 7.8% is is what is kind of their bottom – it seems to be their bottom line. Um, so that's all happening. Um, another interesting IR update for you is Virgin uh, will appear to be the first employer to put a negotiation dispute into the commission for the commission to make uh, determinations on it. This is new laws. It's coming into play 6th of June. This year, 2023. So it's only 24 days old. This law that the commission can now come in and make make determinations where um, negotiations have been protracted, and it's at least gone to conciliation. I think the I think Virgin's gone to conciliation with their engineers, maybe eight nine times, and it's still got it's going nowhere. Right. Um, the 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 negotiation stalled. It's stifled. It's just it's not going anywhere. Um, so interestingly, you know, again, um, it's uh, it, it's. Uh, probably about inflation uh, matched wage increases in the agreements. Um, yeah, an interesting comment that uh, the commissioner has made in the the Virgin the Virgin case, right? Um, commissioner Paul Schneider. Now, this guy is from, I believe, he's from the resources sector, so he's not he's not a union side commissioner at all. Um, he's an ex employer, sort of lobbyist. Um and he's made a comment in uh Virgin's application to have him suspend protected industrial action while they try and resolve this issue because you know Virgin's saying this is affecting customers and it's affecting um you know commerciality and, and their costs and all that sort of stuff. But um so in, in Virgin's application to have the commission suspend protected industrial action, which has been ongoing, um the the response from Commissioner Paul Schneider is that suspension is inappropriate. Um, And that's the the, the striking or the protected industrial action um, is, as it is intended, um, one of the few remaining methods for the the members of the union to push their agenda, to push themselves forward in in the negotiation. So I find that really, um, you know, essentially he's saying to improve their position in bargaining, they should be allowed to continue striking. you know, I, geez, that's rough, isn't it? You know, this has been going on for a couple of years for this company. Um, they've applied under new laws for the that, that the commission ha, has now, well, it's the commission's power now, that they can now uh, hear from parties that um, are saying we need help we're not getting anywhere with this with this negotiation it's stalled it's gone nowhere we've been in conciliation nine times or whatever how many times it is it's costing our our business immensely our customers are being affected commercial airlines are being affected um can you please help us and the commissioner says no um that's just that's pretty weird right um that's an interesting thing to make note of. Because that tells us that the commission, even if the commissioner themselves is from that employer lobbyist side of the, the table, they're, they're probably going to go the way of the ACTU and the Labor government, right, and um, and, and support industrial action. Um, so that's that, that's a bit of a weird one. For that one, I say this. Bear with me. I'll, I'll get better at this new uh, this new gear, this new equipment I got, and I won't annoy you too much for sounds. But look, that, that's um, that, that might wrap it up. Um, you know, performance right now, and a, a bit of an ending note. Um, performance management is probably more important right now than it has been in a number of years. What we've seen over the last few years is companies bending over backwards to make culture and environment in workplaces you know, soft and cuddly and warm and friendly, table tennis tables, free food, muffins, free fruits, um, flexible working, all this sort of stuff, bending over backwards to help um, retain people and make people happy. Did they get happy? No. Nah. Didn't work, right? Um, COVID then hit. People were forced to work from home. So before that, they were saying we want flexibility. We want we want um, to work from home here and there. We want to be able to be home for this or be home for that. Covid forced that to happen, and then all of a sudden, they didn't want that anymore. Now they want more money. You know, we need more money. We need more this. We need more that. Hang on, we don't want to come to the office at all now. Um, you know, bending over. I think the, the point I want to make is 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 bending over backwards to appease the wants of people is fleeting. People don't know what they want. They just don't, right? I'm a firm believer in that employers should have um, the most flexible workplaces while that still protects their productivity, and that's up to them to decide. Um, Employees can choose to work there or not. Um, Employers should decide what good performance looks like and reward it in the way it looks like, and employees can like that or not. Um, th- yeah, th- that's the way I think it should happen and it's definitely going to go back that way if recessions hit and that sort of stuff. So um, why not start now? Okay? Identify your top 90%, showing you who your bottom 10% is, work with that 10% or get them out of your business. Um, that's one thing. Look at um, clearly communicating what your strategic Objectives and priorities are your non negotiables for your business. Cascade that down to your people, talk about it every 90 days, and create a scorecard for your managers to be measured against. Do that. Create a performance management system that looks at both sides of the coin, not just employee happiness and satisfaction, but also are you getting your productivity and your performance that you need? If you're not, address it. Get that bottom 10%, 10% out again or, or raise them up. That's where the last few points that, that you want to make. The last point I want to make on IR, as you can see, is inflation-matched wage uh, infl- inflation matched wage increases are going to be asked for, whether you've got union members or not. Just be ready and prepared for that. Um, you know, if you're going to recruit new people, uh, I would be identifying your most critical vacancies in the business and assess if you're happy to spend up to 15% more on that salary. If you're not, then you don't really need it and um and and don't recruit it uh if you if you can get by without it that is anyway that'll be about it from me today um as always leave some comments get in touch tell us what you want to talk about if there's anything in particular you can go over to www.workplaceas.com download some free employee tools um employee performance management tools which lines are great to today's uh, topic and um, you can leave some comments there uh, watch some other podcasts and that sort of thing, and get some get some tips and advice. Um, until next time, keep your workplace tight, and uh, we'll talk again soon. See you later.